HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This program was brought to you by Eat on North. Eat on North is a casual restaurant where honest, uncomplicated food is served without pretension. Find Eat on North at hotelonnorth.com. I'm Dave Arnold, host of Cooking Issues. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The groove in that rhythm and blues that sound. It's gonna get you some in the end. Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm your host, Damon Bolte, and it is a lovely day in Brooklyn. And I can't think of a better subject for today than agave spirits and in the studio today we have the lovely Courtney Greenleaf uh, I, I I just I realized that uh, you know like how like how cool it is that you know there is a certification for being a muscalier and I, I don't know if I'm anywhere close to ever becoming that um, and I have a feeling you're going to tell me exactly why today, <laughs> because I have I've spent very limited time in Mexico, and when I have, uh, I didn't really get to go to any distilleries or uh, it, it, I, even close to any distilleries. I mean, like I was hanging out with like you know people in Cabo and uh, doing <laughs> like Cabo Wabo shots right. on a boat, <laughs> but uh, which is, <laughs> is could be fun too. Yeah. Um, yeah, so welcome to the studio, Courtney. Thank you. Nice to have you here. Thank you so much. Um, so, yeah, tell me about yourself. Um, we actually just met, and that's shocking to me because uh, I was at the uh, the Going Up one-year uh, anniversary party last night, and several people came up to me, and they were like, oh, man, you've got, you've got Courtney on the show tomorrow. She's like the best person ever. Awesome. And I was like, well, that's a good way to get started. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, welcome. Thank you. It's nice to meet you. Yeah, likewise. You. So, um, you are the beverage director for... Um, for Rosa Ca- Mexicano. And, and uh, uh, Masa Agave. Yes. Yeah. So, cool. we actually just... Um, I just joined the the company of Rosa Mexicano about seven, eight months ago um, with the intention of, of opening up our new Tribeca location, which is Masa Agave. And... With that opening, we really wanted to create some different momentum and energy um, with our agave program, and as well as our, our culinary side. Um, and 
I do come with a background, specifically agave spirits. Um, I worked for a long time with Richard Sandoval and Sandoval restaurants and really just kind of honed in on agave spirits at that point. And um, with that being said, it's uh, ironically become the, the spirit that I've focused on. Um, and we opened up Masi Agave in October. And we have, in that particular location in Tribeca, which is on 41 Murray Street, uh, we have a beautiful bar in Rosa Mexicano um, lined with over 400 different agave spirits. And so, including that, we have our tequilas, over 100 mezcals. We have other agave spirits, such as Bacanora, Sotal, and Ricias. Um, so really trying to be the, a dedicated place to showcase and debut all the different agave spirits to comb through and actually what you're looking at right now is another piece that we've built into our program that did take some lengthy time and is still taking up a lot of my time but we have the agave bible which is a nice very intense (laughs) it's like it weighs like seven pounds um (laughs) so uh, yeah i was just looking through this as you're saying that it's like holy shit you've got Got a lot of stuff in here. Yeah, so w- we also don't want to lose the fun of a Mexican restaurant. So it is lively and energetic, and it's not completely getting schooled and <laughs> being, uh, you know, textbook material. But this here is is a, a beautiful book that does live in our location. That does um, each page is dedicated to different producers of tequila, mezcal, sotal, and um, is a breakdown of the location of the distillery and the production of how this agave distillate is is made and tasting notes and interesting facts. Um, of course, the mezcal production goes into a little bit more details because since it is much more of a overall artisanal um, production, yeah. that we have to give credit to that. So, how long did it take to compile this book? Because it's like. It looks really intense. So, <laughs> I mean, it, it, like flipping through the pages, it is very like welcoming because it does have a lot of re- like great information, and it's. Yeah. You know, but it, I, I can imagine this taking forever. Yeah, it was something actually I started several years back and put on pause, um, and then once I was brought on with this group, um, they wanted something just like that. So we, um, I pretty much. It took a good solid three months um, of a lot of my time. And like I said, it's still a work in progress. I flip through some of those pages and I'll notice there's a typo on behalf of that I did. <laughs> um, and it's it's still building. Um, yeah. We're in the process right now of rolling out a new beverage program in a lot of our other locations, um, nationwide actually. And so with that, with the cocktails changing and everything and our agave spirits expanding there goes another agave Bible that I'll be putting together. So right now I'm actually in the process of kind of tweaking it all, it's, know, adjusting. I, it's, it's funny to me because I just like, if I tried to do this, I would, the, the pages would be soaking wet. Well, Oh, <laughs> they'd be covered in like Angostura bitters. And <laughs> yes. You know, and it's funny because when we first opened, we had about, I don't know, 25 in our location when we're down to five. Um, and a lot of them, I think that was the nicest one I could find. <laughs> like, And it's still in decent tact, except some of the pages are starting to, to come off. So, but, uh, so, okay. So let's talk about this. What was your first like foray into agave and like in tequila? And like, was, I, I want to know what your first tequila was. Oh gosh. <laughs> well, I can say, I know the first tequila that turned me on. 
There's a good one. Because I, I can, I, I do remember, you know, the first tequilas was. Um, you don't have to name names. No, it's actually still when I was. <laughs> it was. I was um, uh, a college experience. Sounds kind of like. <laughs> Like, but I wasn't. I know I did not have tequila in my high school years, um, and it was just yeah. It was a it was a cheesy mixto, gross um, college shots with limes, and just getting it down. And we had fun. We definitely had fun in that dorm room suite that night with a bunch of us. But uh, other than that, what actually tweaked me and like got my attention um, was actually tasting um, Casa Noble. Uh, reposado and to me since I use like those that that French oak barrel really just lends these you know vanilla and caramel so I was able to I really catch on to those notes and I was like this is good this you know and I I feel like that's what I hear a lot of people say when you're getting people to catch on to the spirit and also because everyone pretty much always has that that reaction like oh tequila like uh, I've had that yeah (laughs) <laughs> that I, memory and you know everyone has that and if they don't it's always so surprising actually that was that was the first kilo that my mom tried i took it i, I brought a bottle to my parents house like I, what? it was some holiday it was like thanksgiving or christmas or something like that you know real real tequila appropriate holidays mm-hmm. um and, <laughs> and yeah and she kind of freaked out and loved it and uh so yeah that one actually is a so it place in my heart just because of that but i think one of my first ones like i i know one of my first favorite tequilas that kind of like turned me on was milagro but i can't remember if it was a reposado or or añejo Mm -hmm. i know it wasn't the blanco i think it was a reposado right i love reposado i i find it very unusual or actually i find it very surprising when people do taste a blanco tequila and they're like oh this is this is so this is so smooth or or then sometimes they'll taste like an añejo after the Blanco and they feel like the Añejo they're like oh this is so much stronger and to me I just I feel like it has I'm always just surprised when people have that reaction I think it's great because to me I feel like obviously the Blanco is the bones to a good yeah. a good tequila and then <laughs> yeah I've noticed a lot of like especially at the bar like a lot of customers lately where, where like Reposado and Añejo were the kind of they were the bigger sellers mm-hmm. a lot of people now have been requesting more Blanco tequila mm-hmm. which I think is really interesting I think it just goes back to um, everyone more and more that they want the story you know they want they want to know where everything is derived from and how you know um, yeah. that's why I also believe Besides the fact that mezcal is amazing, um, yeah. but also most mezcal production has that story because it is so artisanal. And um, with ordering that blanco, I feel like it's you're, people are understanding what the term is of terroir now sure. when they're drinking tequila, where I feel like they never did before because they weren't really drinking it. I mean, they were they weren't they, weren't they were drinking and they were shooting. Yeah. You know, <laughs> they weren't tasting. Or and I feel like people are now necessarily respecting the spirit enough to taste it and can now break down those other nuances to understand like, oh yeah, terroir, grassy notes, mineral. Yeah. I think it took, I think it took the, the rise in popularity of Mezcal to kind of like get back to that with like Blanco tequila. Mm-hmm. It, it was, I don't know, like Mezcal came out of the market as like this kind of like mystery spirit <laughs> for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And for those, for the, I guess, like, for the people who didn't really necessarily drink tequila at the time, 
like you know because it went from American whiskey and then mezcal was kind of the thing mm-hmm. after that you know like there's I don't think that there are any like true like trends anymore I think that we just have like so much more information out yeah. there yeah. to where everything just starts like you know rising tide lifts yeah. all ships and whatnot but so like it it's really amazing to me like the that kind of arc and the way that happened and the way the way people's palates change that way mm-hmm. and kind of adapt to what's going on because yeah I mean like I, like I said, you know, I've got a ton of people who come into my bar now, and they're all like, they're all about Blanco Tequila, yeah. and I, I feel like I'm like, like <laughs> I think it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, I feel like I, I don't have enough to offer. Right, right. Like I, it's changing the way I order for the bar. Right. Okay, know? that's which cool. is cool. That's which great. Is great. Yeah. Because yeah. normally, I mean, if you know, if you're not an agave bar, you basically have. Like, Three, maybe four tequilas, and uh, right. in my mind, I don't know. I've always been in a, a Mexican concept, but like, you know, I think having a collection of, you know, f- four to seven tequilas is has been a good spread. I don't know how many do yeah. you have. So you've got eight or nine tequilas and like seven or eight mezcals. Great, that's good. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I, I like. I'm the one who ends up sampling them most yeah. of the time, but you know. <laughs> But that's cool, too. <laughs> yeah. But no, going back to, like, the information of what people are, you know, people are getting. And even it's even just reads on the bottle, you know, where Mezcal started doing that. They will give you all the information that you need. The agave, the you know, the, the crush, the ju- juice extraction, how the oven, what ovens they're using. And, yeah, and that information wasn't really so much available. Like, Well, I know, too. When I first started gathering information, like, and, several and, years ago, for to build a database of that, it was just... Granted, I was newer and maybe I didn't have as many relationships, let's sure. say, with with the the makers or the owners or the importers directly. So I was, you know, needing to rely on the internet, and it was just impossible. I felt like I was this crazy girl from Colorado, like <laughs> asking all these distributors in New York City about, you know, what kind of what kind of ovens do you use? What juice extraction? And they're like, who the hell is this person? What do they want to know this for? What kind of yeast do you put in there? What's the difference? <laughs> it's like they were really like, who is this girl? But um, anyhow, I do think that yeah, now it's educated. It's it's great, and it, it really annoys me when when the answer is that it's you know that's that's a secret or we just don't give that information out. Um, it seems I a little have, suspect, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's a hard time. It's like. You don't have to give it. You don't have to give all the information away, but give it something, you know. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. They, I think again that also comes from just the the overall like enthusiasm of people, like the customers and, and people who work in the industry professionally, wanting to like wanting to have that information so they can pass it on to yeah. like I, I need to have that information so I can pass it on to my customers. I also want to know what what it's about but it really i think it started with like american whiskey then moving into like agave mm-hmm. and now like some of the like it's kind of like creeping into rums too because they're like oh yeah we just making we've been making it on this island forever you don't need to worry about it <laughs> you don't need to know what the where we get our cane or whatever that oh you know. yeah but no it's, it's like it's a different market now you know like both for like consumers and for absolutely yeah 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 it's interesting and- it's it's evolved. It's evolved so much over the past yeah. like ten years, and you know, I, I, so much in the past ten years. And with um, 
I think it's just so cool when I'm sitting at a bar randomly, like <laughs> in my neighborhood. And I, I swear I see so many girls just come in and they just order like a mezcal neat. And I'm like, yes, yeah, <laughs> this is so cool. It's not even like an agave bar. You're just ordering a mezcal. That's so great. And then also on top of it, you know, we've been working now with, with Ricea being available to us for, I think, I don't know, a year and a half, over a year and a half. And um, that's just been really fun to also have people's reaction and, yeah, it's it's some weird stuff. I like it. <laughs> it's, it's really cool. <laughs> let's take a quick break, and when we get back, let's talk about some Rizia and Sotol and stuff like that, because I need you to teach me. <laughs> All right, back in just a moment. And this track's called Casanova by a guy named Tom Cruise. That's C-R-U-Z. We'll be right back on the speakeasy. Hi, I'm Brian Alberg, and I'm the executive chef at Eat on North in the Berkshires of Western Massachusetts. Eat on North in the Berkshires of Western Massachusetts is a casual restaurant where good, honest, uncomplicated food is served to our guests. Our restaurant is part of the hotel called Hotel on North, the newly opened boutique hotel in downtown Pittsfield. We source local ingredients from our neighboring farms and offer an all-day dining menu of flavorful American cuisine for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and on weekends we serve brunch. Our oyster bar serves up delicious shellfish and oyster samplers until 11 p.m. Check out our menu at eatonnorth.com and follow us on Instagram. And we are back. We've got Courtney Greenleaf in the studio today, and we've been talking about agave. And right before the break, we... You just mentioned Ricea, and this stuff is awesome. I just recently got to try that, uh, well, I guess uh, nine months, a year ago, maybe, something like that. Mm-hmm. But um, as I was tasting it, I don't really think that there was enough information about like what exactly it is. I know that it's it's can't be called tequila because it's not mm-hmm. from Jalisco, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Yep. And it's obviously it's made of agave. Correct. But to me, it seems like it's... A more like single origin, like very much in the same way that like like mezcal producers, you know, it's like this is this yeah. style from this place. Exactly. So like, so am I? Am I close? Yeah. So I guess it gets confusing because it's um, it, uh, harvested and cultivated in in Jalisco, which that's one of the states where tequila is. That's the one of the states for tequila production. Um, you know, it, all of what we're talking about is mezcal. You know, it has its mm-hmm. <laughs> two different definitions. But for Ricea, it's, um, as I was mentioning, it doesn't have its own proper denomination of origin as of yet. They do have a, um, a governing body that's working on developing that and protecting and creating those areas. Um, but, yes, it is kind of in the coastal and mountainous regions um, of Jalisco. Just I, I kind of describe it as just east of uh, Puerto Vallarta and west of the Valley of Tequila, kind of in that area. And I describe it to people, 
And they're sitting at my bar as <laughs> just out there. They call it, it's like the moonshine of of agave, of, of tequila, let's say. But um, th- the laws are not uh, set um, as they are for tequila and mezcal. So there are particular regions within the state of Jalisco where ricey is being produced. And um, traditionally what they're using is like, uh, they're not necessarily using like earthen pits. They're using more of like ad- adobe ovens that they're building that are inverted or... Um, <clears throat> The biggest thing that I find is that um, it is such a small production, so they're still using like a hollowed out trunk to like mash the cooked agave, which is so hand mallets. And um, for distillation, they don't require that it's distilled twice, which they do for tequila and mezcal. So with that being said, the body and the distillate is just entirely different. So on the palate and on the nose, you're getting a lot more acidity a lot of the time for for ricias that are single distilled. we went to one palenque that, and actually one of the ricias we have here, um, is distilled out of a hollowed-out tree trunk, which is just awesome. so cool. <laughs> like, really? And just to see that production, it really hits home for you, and you're like, well, this is in a bottle at my bar, and this is the production of how you're doing it. It's, um, it's quite cool. You know? And I remember first time I was, well, doing a little uh, ricea research, um, with my fiance now, but we were um, we were in a little fishing town uh, south of Puerto Vallarta, and yeah, they asked. You know, of course, they see us as tourists, so they ask us, "Hey, do you want this, this, and this?" You know, asking what what fun things we want, and he asked if we wanted ricea. We're like, "Yeah, sure." So he came back like three hours later and came with like a plastic bottle of right of juice, and it was ricea, but it was something that his you know, cousin made, and um, you can very easily judge it by saying, oh, it's in a plastic bottle, and, uh, but in actuality, I mean, that is what, you know, they're producing, is that's their local, yeah, their local juice that they're making, and now it's been, dis- I hate to say discovered, it's been known, but we actually, it's like actually packaged and yeah, exported, you know, and that's, <laughs> it's just cool, it's just a, a beautiful way to just, I think, break out of the mindset of people thinking, oh, this is a tequila bar, and yeah, it's agave bar, you it's know. And bar, totally. Let's think about all the different varietals that we have, and teaching people that is like is very fun for them to register because they're like, well, what kind of tequila is this? You know, and they're holding like a mezcal, they just don't get it yet. But it's it's hard it's it's hard to explain that. It's hard for some people to wrap their heads around because it's everything has just been tequila for so long, right? You know, yeah. Well, in the United States, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It's you you have to you have to have a bible like this in a program like yours you know to like get the word out you know and really i mean like do you teach classes on agave uh for customers or we've we've done stuff like that but nothing on a regular basis um i would love to yeah i mean i i love talking about it i love being a part of groups and just talking about it It's, it's great and my biggest when i get a smile on my face is when you you see that like the switch turned and someone's the light went off in their head. They're like, Oh, I get it. And, yeah. and that's them understanding either the, the production and the appreciation of what goes into it. Um, or just on their palate, they're able to be like, oh, yeah. yeah. One of the coolest things to me about, uh, just agave in general is just like, well, first of all, the way that like the way that the, the mindset of like, the mentality uh, of like the perception of tequila and like mezcal, it's always been thought of, of, you know, 
in the United States is something that, you know, it's thrown into a margarita and blended up or just shot, you know, just taken down as a shot really quick. But it's really, it's kind of unfortunate to to think about the fact that it, it's had that perception for so long because of how long it takes to make. I, know. <laughs> I mean, before it's even brewed, it's, you know, it, that, those plants take forever to grow. Yes. And they take a lot of care, you know? Yes. And um, I, I can't even imagine it. Like, I, I've been meaning to get down there for a while. I just I just want to see agave fields, man. Mm-hmm. Um, They're gorgeous. I, I, the pictures look great. <laughs> <laughs> but to me, it's it's really incredible, like, hearing the stories about the humidor, like, and the agave farmers, like, having actual, like, relationships with each and every plant. They have, like, the history of them, you know, like, as, like, one of their children, you know? Yeah, and, you know, I, I guess I think about tequila production because... It has gr- grown so much that, um, yeah, they're just being harvested left and right. Whereas um, you know, the humidors that do have that opportunity to, yes, see the, that agave plant growing when it's a tiny little baby and then growing to its 13th, 12th, who knows, 20 years yeah. before it's it's harvested. I know that my most recent trip was in Oaxaca and walking through the fields of where they harvest their wild agave. It's cool because they just, they've been, they've been watching it for a while and they just know like, oh, that's not ready. Uh, that has definitely one more year or at least one more season. Um, they just, it's, it's intuitive. And I mean, it's, they, they know the way the sun hits the earth at that certain time of year. They know where the water's held in that agave when it's right time to harvest it. You know, they're so in tune with it. Yeah. That it, it blows my mind. And, um, uh, but it is beautiful because it is very much connected to that, you know, yeah. earth and land. And um, and unfortunately, with some of, you know, a lot of our mezcal production, uh, tequila production, excuse me, um, you know, is it, it is such high in demand that we are needing to clone agave or, you know, source agave from different places or perhaps even um, harvest the agave before it's e- even matured enough um, just so we can get a liquid in a bottle. That's, yeah. that's sad. I do have a, a very dear friend, and she, she's known me for a long time, and she really had that realization of how long it takes the plant to grow. And she's like, oh, my God, it possibly takes 12 years before it even gets harvested and then cooked. And she has a whole other different real vision of tequila now she's like oh, i have to save your ever every sip yeah gotta pump like, the bricks. This, this is yeah <laughs> you, how can you abuse this and not take it in like this there's like 14 years right here so it's, it's cute it's, it's great um so let's talk about cocktails for a second okay. what because we're gonna head over to my bar here in a little bit mm-hmm. to grand army and you're gonna I, I can't wait for you. You haven't been behind the bar in a little while, so you're like you're telling me before the show you're excited to get behind the bar. I'm excited, and nice. you know it's it's funny like working in the business because I've mostly been just doing like menu development and managing, and the other stuff of being now like a beverage director hasn't really led me much time to be behind the bar. So yeah, I love it, and uh, I'm excited, but it's also like oh, Courtney, there she is. She's gonna be a little little. little Quirky, <laughs> but thank you. For yeah, having. it's gonna be awesome. Yeah, we're gonna make some. Um, and and also, like, thank you. Uh, thanks for being on the show today. It's thank really great to, to meet you and talk with you. And uh, I can't wait to uh, share the bar with you today. Thank From you. Five to seven will be at Grand Army. 
uh, come by, check it out. We're going to make some drinks and have a lot of fun. And then also go check out Courtney's programs at, like, how many locations do you guys have now? Um, we have a total of 14. That's amazing. Yeah, so we have four in New York, but span in Boston, Miami, D.C., and then L.A., San Francisco, Miami, Minneapolis, Atlanta. Yeah. So that means like like a bunch of our listeners don't have to they don't have to pop over here to right. to go yeah. there. Yeah, and you know a lot of what we're talking about is we'll start seeing those changes being made in all these locations when it comes to the expansion of our agave program. These Bibles for them to read, the cocktails yeah. will be changing. So bringing some some uh, authentic kind of connective tissue back to our beverage program at. That's so cool. The company. And what are the, the websites again? We are at, the website is www.rosamexicano.com. Cool. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All the links are in there. Oh, great. Uh, cool. Per location. So. All right. Thanks again for coming on, Courtney. Let's, uh, let's go make some drinks now. Awesome. All right. That's Cheers. it for the Speakeasy this week. Check in the Heritage Radio Network for many other programs like this. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.